Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Recording this computer, and here we go. All right, welcome to episode 28. I will apologize for calling episode 27, episode 26 last week. Nonetheless, we are in a good mood this week as the Seahawks, I well, I guess we're just jumping into it. The Seahawks vanquished the 49ers with a score of 37 to 27. Fun little bet here that Bennett made with me during the week. He said that the Seahawks would win by 10, and I kind of doubted it. So now uh, I owe Bennett, you know, good, good call there. I guess I just wasn't expecting it, but let's get right into it. In the first quarter, the Seahawks started off the scoring with a pass to DK Metcalf that he took and ran for 46 yards. On that play, he outran four 49ers players to put the Seahawks up 6 to nothing, with us one second exactly left in that first quarter, uh, only 6 to nothing due to the fact that Jason Myers had his first miss of the season uh, coming on that extra point there. Womp womp, very sad. Uh, the Niners got on the board in the second quarter with a Jermichael Hasty uh, one-yard touchdown run to put them up by one, seven to six. Robbie Gould made his extra point. Um, Russell Wilson would then find DK Metcalf again on a slant play from three yards out, which would give some people uh, flashbacks uh, to a certain game that I will not mention. To put the Seahawks up thirteen to seven with three oh four left in the second quarter, and that would how that would be how the game would go going into halftime. The Seahawks did have a uh, chance uh, prior to the half, but they weren't able to put the ball anywhere sort of near any sort of scoring position going into the third quarter uh rookie running back dj dallas who was forced into starting action out of base due to the fact that basically the entire running back room was injured uh, with travis homer getting only one snap well one carry during the game uh, dj dallas would start the scoring off in the second half with a receiving touchdown from two yards out to put the hawks up 20 to 7 with 802 left in the third and would be his first career touchdown so good for him David Moore would get on get in on the fun with a six-yard touchdown catch to put the Seahawks up 27 to 7 with 551 left in the third. And that is how the quarter would end with a score of 27 to 7. Obviously a big lead there. So throughout this game, to that, well, in that third quarter, it kind of felt like they were pulling away. Um with 53 seconds into that fourth quarter, Jason Meyer added a field goal to go up 30 to 7. The Seahawks, I mean, pardon me. The 49ers would stop the Seahawks' run of 21 unanswered points with a one-yard jerk McKinnon touchdown rush with 9.36 left in the fourth to put the score at 14-30. to Nick Mullins, who was slated into duty after Jimmy Garoppolo was taken out of the game due to a leg injury, uh, found tight end Ross Dwelly, who was also forced into action after tight end George Kittle had to leave the game due to injury. Um and then fail to convert the two-point conversion after that to put them at 20 to 30. Obviously, that two-point conversion would have been huge because he would only be down by eight at that point. Then DJ Dallas would add a second touchdown with a one-yard rush to give the Seahawks a 17-point lead. Um, 49ers would score the last touchdown of the game. They uh, touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk with a minute 52 left, and that would leave us with a final score of 37 to 27. So, obviously... Uh, it it was one of those games. Uh, they they kind of had it throughout the game, and then there was some scoring there at the end, but luckily they were able to get a touchdown there with DJ Dallas to put it away even further. Um, oh, wait, put us up 17. Put us up by 10. My apologies. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. no. Never mind. I, I read that wrong. I don't know why I got that into my head. They scored the touchdown to put us up 
10. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo really, uh, the, the, the team was banged up uh, and he didn't exactly play too well, but he had to exit due to injury there. That's why Nick Mullins was in there. And George Kittle and Tevin Coleman both had to leave that game uh, due to injury. Russell Wilson finished Wilson finished with 261 passing yards and four touchdowns on 27 completions uh, through 37 attempts. DJ Dallas led the team in rushing with 41 yards on 18 attempts and that one rushing touchdown. And DK Metcalf had career numbers and catches and yards with 12 receptions for 161 yards and two touchdowns. So let's just get into it. Uh, Bennett, your thoughts on the game and what you took away uh, on both sides. Well, I'll start with this. I technically lost the bet. I said we'd win by more than 10 points. Oh. So that was stupid wording on my point. <laughs> because we won by exactly 10 points. I uh, tried to go the over-under, failed. So technically I did lose the bet. Um, but I will say, this was probably my favorite football game of the season. Um, mm. I watch a lot of football. I consume a lot of football. I don't just watch the Seahawks. I try to watch uh, a decent spread. Mm-hmm. Of the teams that I like, I like the Chiefs. I've liked the Chiefs for years. I like the Bills. Um, this was the most entertaining football game for me um, so far. Uh, just because there, there's a certain magic of beating your division rival that I don't think any other game yeah, can really encapsulate. I mean, the Bills beat their division rival this week. Um, in an unconvincing win against the Patriots, uh, Josh Allen, if he was ever to be considered a better quarterback than Russell Wilson this season, that conversation should be closed. Uh, and uh, But enough time about other games. This game was a freaking amazing team win. I know the Seahawks really like to throw around the terminology team win, um, but this was just an amazing effort by pretty much everybody on the team. We look at uh, Sullivan, the guy who signed on to our team out of the draft as a tight end, comes in D-end, plays 20-some-odd snaps at D-end, and does really nicely. I mean, he has, uh, he has one assisted tackle, so not really, like, an amazing game. But that first play immediately is just like a spark plug on the defense, mm-hmm. and that, that's, that was funny to me. Um, well, I mean, any any situation where you're like converting from like offense to defense, you know, at the at the pro level, and to make a like an impact at all, I mean, mm-hmm. should you know, in, in the first game at that, because I mean, it's not like he's had practice games to go right. and you know be a DN. They're like, all right, you want to play DN? Let's go. You know, so to have that sort of impact, I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, totally. And it's just um, to 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 see him do that was great, and then to see. Pretty much everybody, uh, everyone in the team contribute in a lot of different ways. Uh, Bobby Wagner with his two sacks, uh, KJ Wright with his uh, pass deflected and his uh, three or six tackles total. Um, just everybody had a monster game, and I think everybody came together to beat the Niners in a really convincing way. Uh, Russell Wilson throws for 261 yards, not his most yards this season, uh, but puts up four touchdowns. Uh, nice quarterback rating, 128.3. I know. Uh, quarterback ratings don't necessarily mean the world to the Seahawks because or to really any team because it's it's kind of a frivolous number but Mm. it's good for his stats and I'd say that just the passing attack this week really worked and it worked really well last week too despite the outcome of the game uh you look at this double-headed machine of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and 
it puts the Seahawks put these opponent teams into such a terrible position, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you look at the film for the week before, you say, man, Tyler Lockett dropped three touchdowns. Uh, I think yeah, he must have had a hundred game yard, a hundred yard game. He had two hundred, two hundred exactly. Right, that's two hundred yard game. Mm-hmm. 15 interceptions, three touchdowns against the Cardinals, who, I mean, there are no slumps on defense. Mm-hmm. So you go, all right, we're going to game plan for Tyler Lockett. You game plan for Tyler Lockett, then DK Metcalf comes in, scorches you for 161 yards and two touchdowns. And then next week, I guarantee you, the Bills are thinking, well, how are we going to shut down DK Metcalf? And Tyler Lockett's going to go out there and catch two touchdowns. I just think because of this double-headed wide receiver core, it just puts the opponents in such a poor position. Mm-hmm. And then you look at uh, David Moore, who is this sneaky player who will burn you down the sidelines when you're somehow able to account for both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. It's just a really tricky situation. I don't know how the Bills are going to attack it. I don't know how the 49ers thought they were going to attack it. And it just, this game, re- like, cements to me that our wide receiver core is probably the best in the NFC. Um, perhaps the best in the league because I think I, I do believe that DK Metcalf, and this isn't a belief. This isn't me saying like, this is my opinion. This is like, I think I saw the stats for this DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I believe have the most touchdowns when you combine a wide receiver duo. I believe they have the most yards when you combine a wide receiver duo. So maybe if uh, Godwin, stayed healthy and Evan stayed on fire, we might see them make a convincing argument. But the Seahawks, man, they're just, ugh. I would never expect myself to say this, but I think we have the best fighters receivers in the league this year. <laughs> well, and then just, so we've got, we've got what? We've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, uh, uh, David Moore, and then mm-hmm. it goes, oh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody in there. Uh, I know Freddie Swain. Swain's down there. But then, so I don't know if it's confirmed or not, or when he's supposed to be back. I know I think they put him on IR, but Philip Dorsett should join the team at some point. So you've got yeah, even more some, speed. Uh, but some bad news came in about him this week. Oh no! Yeah, there was a there was a recent news interview where Pete said that he uh, was not where he was supposed to be in terms of injury uh, recovery. That's not good. Um, but then you got on bright side, Flash Thompson. Flash Gordon? Who the heck is Flash Thompson? I was like, wait. That, that's <laughs> Spider-Man, I think. Um, uh, Flash Gordon? Which is uh, – I was going to say that too because uh, I didn't know about Philip Dorsett. That's not encouraging, especially because they can, they signed him thinking that, you know, you're fine. You know, yep, they, they were under they the were impression that he was fine. And then it's like, oh, yeah, surprise. I'm not actually okay. You know, that's I think that's pretty bad. But then uh, whenever, whenever Roger Goodell decides to get off – his whatever and reinstate Josh Gordon because from what I'm told there's a certain point there's a certain time where you have 60 days to make a decision and it's been way longer than 60 days oh yeah so it's I mean it's like you're in a holding pattern here and you have no idea what's going on right so I mean you just like like you said David Moore is no slouch I mean we've seen him make a myriad of plays throughout his time here Mm -hmm. um so you add Josh Gordon to that mix and, you know, some teams I'm sure you have, you know, two good corners, but if you don't have a slot guy or right. if you, you have to account for that third guy now on offense, 
it, uh, you know, that just creates so many problems for a team because um, I, I don't know if Josh Norman's going to play this week for the Bills. So if even, let's say he does, you got Tredavious White uh, and Josh Norman, but then who, who covers David Moore when he decides, exactly. you know? So that's, yeah, that's having those two guys. And I think that duo, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know what Antonio Brown's going to do just off ability, but maybe uh, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are in that conversation, you know, but mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley has been inconsistent. Uh, DK, I mean, I'll just say this. Uh, DK Metcalf scores the ball more than Josh uh, Julio Jones does. I mean, that's no slight on Julio. He just finds the end zone more. Yeah. And I think that has, I mean, that has a lot to do with who's throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has a lot to do with, with, um, how the offenses are drawn up Atlanta. I mean, as much as they'd like to be a spread offense, uh, they struggle to get the ball into the end zone, uh, in the red zone in particular. Um, they just haven't had the same sort of rushing element since they laid lost that sort of two headed monster in uh, Devonta Freeman and, uh, Tevin Coleman. They just, yeah. I think they've got like Josh Hill back there and, uh, Ito Smith and those guys are by no means, I mean, they're in the NFL, so they're not like bums, but, you know. Right. And uh, to get back to the game, you know, this this game to me does not – I mean, I, we said this a little bit while you were talking a little bit beforehand, but this game to me doesn't show who the Seahawks are as much mm-hmm. as it reveals what the 49ers are. 49ers, um, okay, yes, injuries. Big deal with them. Uh, like, for the last two weeks, they've been playing with about a quarter of a football team. Uh then you look at the Seattle Seahawks. We have been too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game in particular shines a really ugly light on how the 49ers are going to perform for the rest of the year. Uh, their leading rusher, Hasty, uh, only had 29 yards off of 12 <sighs> rush attempts. Their next in line was Tevin Coleman uh, with three rushes and 20 yards. Cool. Great. Awesome. Uh, we know why they're not using him more because he's just coming off of reserve. And then uh, McKinnon, McKinnon, or well, Garoppolo with four yards off of four attempts, and then uh, McKinnon with three attempts, and um, a grand total of a uh, an amazing negative one. Mm. Um, Real of contributor. His uh, his longest run of the day was one yard for the touchdown. Good for him. But you look at the Niners; they're not as they're not nearly as scary as they were last year. And, of course, uh, without Debo Samuel, I mean, that, of course, hurts your team a lot. But Ayuk is no slump. 91 yards for a touchdown. Um, he's good, but he's not like Emmanuel Sanders, who they had last year mm-hmm. and who they lost over the offseason. So, to me, it's just that, you know, this offseason hit them hard. Whenever you go to the Super Bowl, um, you're going to lose some pieces that got you there. And uh, that's just a fact of the NFL. Mm-hmm. This to me reveals that the 49ers are not nearly as scary as the media hypes them up to be this whole revenge tour thing. Uh, yeah. Kind of garbage, not, not really shaping up. They're the last in the division now with a, with a pretty convincingly bad record four and four. Um, They would of course be the top of the NFC East, mm-hmm. but you just you look at their losses and they're bad losses. They lost the Dolphins. They lost to us. They lost the Cardinals. And not saying the Cardinals are bad or anything. I'm just saying that it's like each game they've lost, they've lost convincingly. It hasn't been a fluke 
Well, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I don't think either any of those were really like one score games. Uh, I think um, they got pretty they got dominated by the Dolphins, and then right. this game, I mean, the, the score will say ten points, but uh, I mean they were we were up what twenty points at one point, you know, so it's and there's a there's a decent there's a decent argument that can start to come together for the Dolphins that maybe they're not like a legit playoff contender, but maybe they're a good football team now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this this week eight they beat the they beat the Rams in a in a, in a pretty dominant fashion. Oh yeah, uh, twenty eight to seventeen, and they're four and three. So technically, they have a better record than the Niners, which is uh, uh, again that's a sentence that we're saying in twenty twenty after the Dolphins did terrible last year and the Niners went to the Super Bowl. Um, but that's hey, that's the NFL. And uh, like I said, I think this game we know we know who the Seahawks are. The Seahawks are a team that can score. 35 plus points at any given moment because they have the MVP of the NFL quarterback, Russell Wilson, and they have weapons like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, David Moore, Chris Carson when he's healthy. Um, and they have these pieces. This to me shows that the Niners, they're not going to be division threat. Um, of course, that means that we have to look out for the Cardinals now. Uh, yeah. Cardinals, they to me are now threat number one. Mm-hmm. Um we should have that game circled, starred, asterisk, whatever you want to say, uh, and just those are the games you should look out for. Not worried about week, what is it, like 17 against the Niners? Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully by that point it's just a wrestling starters game. But you know, Yeah, that's a, that's a Geno Smith gets to start his first football game. Yay. Um, no, nah, I won't even start Russell. I'll go out there and <laughs> he'll play for, for a quarter. We'll give him a quarter. Like, all right, Russell, put some more points on there. Um. But yeah, that's uh, to me. This 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 game just shows that the Seahawks are still the Seahawks. Don't don't make don't discount them because that Cardinals game because the Cardinals are a tough football team to play against. Um, and this also shows that the Niners are not as good as we thought they were going to be. Probably discount them in the division race. I would even say discount them for the wild card race. They're mm-hmm. there this season. They should. I, I we talked about this beforehand too. They should probably look into throwing the season. <laughs> Uh, get some good draft picks, why don't you? You have been able to for a little bit now. Um, and I think the Jimmy Garoppolo experiment's over. I Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, if you can – because, like, like we said before, uh, with George Kittle out for basically, I'd say, the rest of the season, uh, which is your best offensive player. I don't think there's any argument about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and <laughs> Nick Mullins or the mighty C.J. Beathard leading that offense – and you got Nick Bosa injured, you know. Right. Uh, it's yeah. I think at that point you just say, "Hey, you know, let's let's just try and get." Because I mean, they've they've had success with the draft, right? And that's you know, so I don't see why not. But that kind of moves into uh, this question, and I'm I don't know if you've necessarily answered it. Would you say that the defense's performance on Sunday was a mirage of sorts? Well, okay. Um, let's look at how we could make the argument that it is. Um, Garoppolo hurt, um, ankles hurt, can't throw as well as he should. Um, you know, when you have that hurt ankle and you you have that plant foot, you can't push off of it. You can't, um, you know, really whip your body the way you're supposed to make that spiral tight. Uh, I think the commentary, which I mean, I have qualms with, but they talked a lot about how his throws kind of look like a wounded dove fluttering there. 
And there's a difference between a wounded dud fluttering there and a Russell Wilson moon ball. Russell Wilson moon ball, that stays high up, um, has that arc where no one can get it but the intended receiver. Beautiful pass. Then you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, five-yard little flutters. That gets dangerous because it's such a short yardage that anybody can get it in that time that it's floating in the air, right? So that's the first thing. Garoppolo can usually throw little laser darts for five or ten yards. Now that he's hurt, not so tight, not so uh, low. You know what I mean? It starts to get fluttery. It starts to be really easy to pick off or bat down, so on and so forth, Um, especially when you're throwing in the middle when we have those really nice hawk uh, linebackers like Wagner and like Wright. But then you look at the sack count. The 49ers, uh, their O-line is not terrible. Um, I believe they do have some injuries over there. But Bobby Wagner gets some penetration for probably one of the more convincing times of the season. Uh, Two sacks. I believe that does double his sack count. Um, It might even be more sacks than he's had this entire year. So it's just um, that to me. Makes me feel like it's not a mirage. If we if our pass rush is heating up like that, I will also say that it was a little bit disheartening to see the end of the game where Nick Mullins comes in and throws for 238 yards. That was, to me, like we said, maybe perhaps garbage time football where it doesn't really matter. Um, but still a little concerning to see us playing prevent like we did. Mm-hmm. Just prevent, I mean, prevent makes sense when it's the last play of the game and they're going to throw a Hail Mary and you're only up by two. Yeah. But, you know, I, with, with, with what the, the sports that we've seen in the last decade and just the comebacks that have taken place, I feel like you've, there's never enough points. You know, I think a 20-point lead with, like, two minutes left, I think you're safe there, you know? Right. But... Uh, I, yeah, I guess you could use the Cardinals game. You're up by 10 in the fourth quarter. Right. Is that enough at that point? No, because you're playing that sort of offense uh, with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of just kind of sitting there. Because they, if they make that two-point two point conversion, they're only one touchdown and a two-point away. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. So, it's I wouldn't say it was a complete failure. I think a complete failure would be letting them back in the game completely, like t- letting right. them tie it up. Right. But uh, it's it's they've they've always sort of done that. They've never really. It's, it goes back to like last time they blew somebody out. You know, it's just I, I I don't think any lead at this point, or to an extent, is safe. So playing that prevent when you're up by ten, you know, I don't think that's a good strategy there. Yep, doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I, I don't know if it's a mirage. I think that we'll have that answer next week when we play the Bills. Um, but it certainly was hopeful. I think this is a hopeful uptick, and especially once we hopefully have Jamal Adams back and we have snacks out there and Carlos Dunlap, which I think we'll talk about, but good. Um, we we will see an uptick in how this defense moves and how they can rush the passer and how they can start to, to defend the middle of the field a little bit more. Uh, Demarius, Demarius Randall, right? Yep. Right. Uh, had a heck of a game. Uh, he had a one blown coverage where I was pretty frustrated with him, but that's okay. You know, it's football that happens. Um, 
when he got that pick, I almost was like, yeah, boy, Earl. And I was like, uh, nope, that's not Oh, right. that was uh, DJ Reed. DJ Reed, 29. Former 49er. Picked up in, uh, they picked him up in August. That's who and I'm thinking the of Niners, this entire time. DJ well, the, Reed, thank you. The man, the, Randall did play, you know, and I guess, right. you know, not hearing his name too much is a good thing to an extent if you're a cor- uh, safety. Yes, yes. But uh, <laughs> DJ but, yeah. Reed, they picked him up in August, and I think it was, he was dealing he with was an injury. He was expected uh, to not play the yep. entire game, if I remember correctly. And then uh, they bring him in, and he has that sort of, I think he had the hot potato celebration when he got the pick. He did. And I think he had a pass deflection, but, you know, like you were saying with Pete, Pete Carroll said, he said, okay, please don't quote <laughs> me on it. He said that Jamal Adams will play versus the Bills. Uh, I guess that illness that sort of derailed him earlier in the week is why he didn't play, just not being able to get that practice in. So you, you add Jamal Adams, you're starting, you're, one of your starting safeties. Mm-hmm. Ugo Amadi did not play in that game. You're starting nickel. Well, I won't say starting because technically that was Marquise Blair back in the day when we had Marquise Blair. Oof, uh, yeah. Shaquille Griffin didn't play in that game because of concussion protocol. Benson Mayoa didn't play that game. I don't know what that deal was. Damon Harrison hopefully gets added. I don't know. I think they're – I don't fully know. I guess it's just sort of getting him up to speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've seen on from his snacks on Twitter, is there's no real issue. He's just, you know, like this sort of – He's just fallen, whatever process that's happening. And then, obviously, Carlos Dunlap, which will address, you know, I feel like this defense does have a lot to look forward to. And it, right. it'll, to me, it'll be exciting uh, to um, add, have all those pieces healthy at the same time. And just to add one more thing, uh, to have depth is an amazing thing. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, especially yeah. because this is a defense that doesn't necessarily get off the field as quickly as you'd like it to. No. Um, some guys get tired. You have – the opportunity and the option to, to, to put somebody like Ryan Neal back in there. Uh, you mm-hmm. have the opportunity and the option to put somebody like uh, DJ Reed in there, who I kept calling Demarius Randall. I don't know why I did that. I, Demarius Randall didn't even play. No, he did. He was out there. Oh, did he? I know he was. Yeah. I think he was. Uh, I, only, I only remember that because I saw his, his name pop up when they were celebrating the pick. Um, um, but just like – yeah, to have a 39 on the field again, though, who I mistook for 29, I was like, yeah, Earl, yeah, Brendan Brown. Oh, Brown's. no, he had 29. Wait a minute. Uh, did, did DJ read? Yeah, that's that's what my, my – he go – I uh, had some. Why is he listed at 39? I, I was like – Tell him to fix their – tell the Seahawks to fix their website. Because I, I watched the game. I saw him wearing 29. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool. <laughs> and then in my pre- preparation for the pod today, I looked it up and it said 39. Oh, and I was no, that like, is weird. Was I just mistaken? And I was like, okay, attaboy, Brendan Browner. But then I was like, wait, no, <laughs> he was definitely wearing 29. So now I'm really confused. Also, remember when we brought Brendan Browner back for no reason? Anyways. It was supposed to be like a cover the tight end guy. And then he like didn't last through uh, training camp. And yeah, that was everything that odd. happened with him Afterwards. Uh, happened. So, you know, but um, uh, what's yeah, interesting he- quickly Yes. Uh, after mentioning our now good friend Carlos Dunlap, the Oops. Seahawks did call Dallas about Alden Smith. So from what I'm right. reading, they are still looking to add another piece there at rush at uh, pass rusher. So <laughs> we might see something prior to the deadline. To, well, when this goes up, it's going to be today. Right. But they so they might add someone prior to the deadline, which would be really exciting. Um, um, but I'm just going to wait and see. So you could potentially add somebody else 
Right. Uh, but they probably wouldn't play till maybe the uh, Rams game due to the fact the protocols and having to wait. So they're the, you add all those guys, add a bunch of your actual starters, mm-hmm. and then some new pass rushers. Um, so I, I'm still trying to keep an eye out and see if they, they go and get somebody else there. Ryan Kerrigan is a name that pops up to me uh, through the fact that he just asked for a trade out of Washington. Yep, which um, what, to me is crazy because the dude's been playing for them for – Oh, yeah. He's been with them for so long. Uh, I guess he just got tired of it. And then J.J. Watt is someone I kind of thought about, but I guess the – and the Texans and their trading, they've kind of <laughs> they've uh, put up barriers around Watt, uh, Deshaun Watson, and Laramie Tunsil. So I guess that's kind of off the market. But uh, so you know, looking looking for someone else is what I'm. Um, say. I'd say most realistically is Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, that's the that's the name I keep getting floated around. Alden Smith would have been. That'd be man, fun. That'd be fun. That would have been awesome. I would have loved that. Uh, we already have such a stacked linebacker core. <laughs> it would have been so freaking cool to get him in there. Um, but, you know, A, I will take the Carlos Dunlap trade. Yes. That was a good trade, and I like – I really like it. I think um, – okay, I don't know why I just call Holland Smith a linebacker. We already have a good D-end core with Carlos Dunlap. That's what. That's the segue I was trying to do. Oh, yeah, okay. But I said linebacker. We already have a stacked D-end core now that we have Carlos Dunlap. I know a lot of people don't like our D-end core. I'm kind of okay with it now that we have Dunlap. Yeah, I especially... think it's really complimentary now that we have Dunlap. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it can really play well. And if we would have gotten Alden Smith, we would have been freaking unstoppable on defense. Um, but I will take Dunlap. I've had a lot of verbal slips today. Um it's the stress of the week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so, yeah, I, I would say that Dunlap trade, I'll take it. Actually, I feel like we fleeced the Bengals a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, that's um, – See, normally with a trade like that, when you get like a guaranteed starter, basically mm-hmm. – Oh, I dropped my keys. Uh, you basically – you have to – normally you give away some, like a draft draft capital or, you know, someone. But to offload probably your worst offseason acquisition – guy who got basically put to the third string at center um and he got paid way more than i would have maybe thought um and to give away like a seventh round pick which normally normally i'm saying normally because not all the time seventh round picks really don't make the team i uh for a guy that has been proven and has had a good career and he's just like a good vet, you know, just to have that, I mean, I don't see an issue with that. You know, mm-hmm. the Bengals maybe need help on that O-line to protect Joe Burrow. And if BJ Finney gives them that, go ahead. Right. You know, but he wasn't contributing to our team. So at that point, and you, you take, take that money off the books. I think it's a win-win there. Right. And, you know, um, to miss out on somebody like Alden Smith, um, who's just a really versatile defensive player, um, especially in the offense or the defense the Seahawks would run. I mean, like he fills a guy like Bruce Irvin's role perfectly where you could, you could play him as linebacker. So maybe my verbal slip wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I think he did Um, play a little bit of backer with uh, the Niners. Niners, Yeah. Because they had like a three, four. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't consider this slip necessarily. 
but like he's a scary guy and you know you would have loved to have get him but that Carlos Dunlap trade uh pretty good he hasn't had the greatest season but a lot of people are putting that up to his disgruntled nature with the uh with the Bengals, and I don't blame him for that. The Bengals, I don't think, would be a really fun football team to play with right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you look at that, and you really just cross your fingers and hope you get a guy like Ryan Kerrigan. And, yep. um, God, that'd be a blockbuster trade. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens tomorrow because I do think the Seahawks have one more move in them. Mm-hmm. I read uh, there was some insider who even said that, like, they are actively making calls. Uh, at least as of yesterday night. So I don't doubt it. Uh, we'll see. I mean, John Schneider, I know I kind of made fun of that saying that Pete said last week about the, ooh, John Schneider always has his feelers out. Um, and I kind of criticized him for not picking up somebody. And then he went and shut me right up by picking <laughs> He said, up. all right, I raise you Carlos Dunlap. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, he always has his feelers out for like Antonio Brown, but he's not going to get Everson Griffin. Then he gets mm-hmm. Carlos Dunlap and shuts me right up. So um, I, I hope he does it again. I hope he gets somebody else. And uh, I, I have a good feeling about Ryan Kerrigan. I hate to go, go keep going back to that, but I do have a good feeling about that. I don't know. I mean, it's the name that keeps popping up, you know, and, right. and to see him a request a trade, I feel like it's starting to, it makes more sense, you know, uh, but I didn't necessarily think about Carlos Dunlap. So, I mean, me neither. It, I, it just I, comes down to me. What I'm going to think about is what they're going to potentially give up and you know because i mean like somebody like somebody like david moore actually a pretty good trading piece um Hmm. but i would hate to see him go Mm -hmm. uh maybe not to the washington football team um i don't know if we've messed up and called them by their former name so if we have my apologies i think we're good right now i think fantastic a lot a lot of Analysts like in I when they've been talking about them, they'll say Redskins. And I'm like, hey, that's not hey, no, no, no. And you get paid team. by the NFL. We're not exactly. paid by the NFL. You know, you're you're supposed um, to know that. Yeah, you're supposed to be on your game, buddy. You get paid to sit like, in that. Come booth. on, dude. You know, but I'm sitting it's... in my college house in Portland. You mm-hmm. should know, Mr. L.A. Uh, but anyways, that's but my is, beef with see, NFL commentators and analysts. With, but like. A trade, like, if we were to – yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I feel like David Moore, he's not someone you're going to break the bank over when he needs a contract. Mm-hmm. And mm. I don't want to say he's dispense, disposable, but, you know. I, I would say if Josh Gordon, if we had him, like, activated, I would be more lenient with that. Yeah, I'd be okay uh, with because that. Because for some reason, Roger Goodell is deciding to not make a decision on that. I'm like, Ugh. But it, it, it's that's some that's got what you got to think about when I, I'm I, I really do think that they are making more calls right now. I'm sure that they're they'd like to have that bookend of Dunlap and then somebody else. But it is interesting because uh, you're right. I feel like even if they're not successful, you know, I wouldn't be too mad at that because you've got Rasheem Green coming back, and I'm right. still a little optimistic about that. I don't know. You how gotta be, you gotta be optimistic oh, yeah. about that. It, it, it feels cheap to give up hope on a guy like Rasheem Green. Oh, yeah. Um, and I feel like I think he can play complimentary football with a guy like Carlos Dunlap yep. on the other Rasheem side. Rasheem Green, and I don't know what Benson's deal was. I don't know why he played, but, I mean, he'll be coming back. And LJ Collier had a good start to the year. I haven't really heard his name pop up too much. Um. Right. Then uh, something that was going to happen later. Uh, Demontre Moore was 
we would have Demontre Moore, but he was suspended Ooh. six games <laughs> due yeah. to uh, violating the performance-enhancing drug. Cheat uh, Hawks are back, baby. Oh, yeah. So he is eligible to return week 15. But his name would have been included, but is not. Thanks, uh, Demontre, for that, you know. But, yeah, so looking at that, I, I am not necessarily mad at my defensive end room but I will be hoping to add another piece. And I feel like Ryan Kerrigan makes sense. I'm not going to sit here and put my house on a bet. Right. That Neither would I. In, but he, he would, if I look, if I wake up one morning and I see that's the trade, well, not one morning, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I see that's the trade. I will not be surprised. Uh, so yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, and um, I think you also, you also have to look at the future with these trades too. I mm-hmm. mean, we we have that. I would say blockbuster trade for um, one Jamal Adams. Yep. Um, and you kind of start to you you start to realize that you you do need to have a long term plan for how you're going to keep these guys on your team. Yes. Uh, and then because you you just hate. You just hate for something like the Jadavian Clowney situation happening. Yeah, because that's a that's a guy who we have on our team right now. Okay, to be fair, injured, missed a bunch of tackles, um, is not having a good season. Mm-hmm. But maybe he plays on the Seahawks and has a great season. So there's there's just so many like variables when yes. you want to keep a guy on the team that you get you you kind of spend the house on Jamal Adams. Oh yeah, and I mean. Um, his talent don't. and versatility, and like you said, you spend like what two draft two first rounders on him exactly. Um, and a guy that what's important also to me is the fact that he he's stated several times that he wants to be here. You know, yeah. when you've got that positivity in a guy, it's like, dude, go go give him the money that he wants. Obviously, and, reasonable. Uh, you don't want to give him like the entire cap space, right? But, you know, you, you want to get it done because that is yeah. When you give away two first round picks. That's, that's something you have to seriously look towards doing uh, and making a priority at some point. And so maybe this flows next into your next topic. But, so I read a really good article by Evan Hill uh, today, or mm. a couple days ago, about um, how Tyler Lockett could be the and, person who saves the defense. Mm-hmm. How, may, how giving him a deal could open the door to making some deals on defense, which I, I really like that article. Um, however... I will say another piece that just to add on, just a yes and don't give Chris Carson the money he's asking for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the game notes you gave me about DJ Dallas and his performance. Um, yeah, I don't know if that necessarily makes Chris Carson look at the game and go, shoot, I might be replaced. But I do think it makes him think, yeah, this is their insurance. This guy's their insurance now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, how many rushing? How many did he do? Eighteen attempts for forty-one yards. That's not good. That's no. like two point three yards per attempt. That's yeah, not there a were a lot game. of rushes where he would just get the ball and he would run really into the pile to... and fall over. Yeah, yeah he I wouldn't mean... really get very far at all. But then you look at his ability to score. Uh, that passing touchdown was pretty good. And yep. that um, – his rushing touchdown was okay. I mean, it was a one-yard strike. Yeah, it's not like he um, went Marshawn Lynch, you know. But, yeah, that versatility, you know, so I versatility, think is yeah, a big that, thing. And especially if we're going to start seeing the Seahawks offense move towards a Russell Wilson-centric offense, yep. you don't need Chris Carson. 
to come out of the backfield and catch balls if you have a guy like DJ Dallas. Yep. Uh, if you have a guy like Rashad Penny, who is um, oft forgot about on our podcast. Uh, yeah. It's like because... uh, waiting, waiting to hear more news about him. Apparently he's getting close, but that's right. very vague from one Peter Carroll. So. Um, so whenever he comes back, you, you, it kind of makes you think, do we need Chris Carson? Do we need to pay Chris Carson the Dalvin Cook money? Do we need to pay him the, uh, I don't even know, Ezekiel Elliott money? money? Ezekiel Elliott money? No, we don't. We don't. And if we don't pay Chris Carson, I would say the next person you have to look at is Jamal Adams. I mean, oh yeah, he is probably the best player in our defense, aside from... Um, KJ Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Wagner, of course, has been the most consistent player on the Seahawks, I don't know, since Steve Largent. Um, and you just you can't afford to let a guy like Jamal Adams walk to another team, especially mm-hmm. if you like God forbid he walks to another team that has cap space like the Cardinals or the Niners, um, or the Rams for that matter. You don't want him going to a team you're gonna play because then no. you have to deal with them. Yep. Uh so I'd love for I mean we play the Jets soon. I'd love to see him ball out against the Jets. Um don't we? Yeah, we play them like three weeks. Uh ooh, I think Four week weeks? 14. 14. Um so quite a few weeks, but you know, he'll definitely be back there then. I I I'd pin him as being back next week, as so Pete Carroll says. Um so, you know, you just I, – I, you got to think that you, you pay him. You have yeah. to. Oh, yeah. And you don't pay Chris Carson because no. you don't need to pay running backs. I'm on that train. I, I fully believe that, you know, running backs, you can have a revolving door system of running backs and you'll be fine. Um, it's just, you know, there was that whole thing in the offseason where I saw several times he was, like, liking tweets about how he needs to be paid, you know, Yep, uh, and it doesn't inspire much confidence that he'll. No, and then they, yeah, he said it, it was just like a lot of the things he said were sort of not exactly sounding like there would be uh, a positive thing going forward. And just yeah, I mean, like you said, if we go towards that more, not necessarily having to quote unquote pound the rock, you know, mm-hmm. twenty times a game. Uh, I don't think you need it, paying paying somebody that much money, and you're going to play with that kind of offense is stupid, and it's a waste. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that money should go to a guy like Jamal Adams, um, who we're going to need, you know, going forward. And I mean, it, it's it's not like Chris Carson's not productive right. when he's healthy, but that's quote that's like in in bold letters in my Word document in bold you know font when he's healthy, you know, right. Just it, that's just a thing in sports. If you're not able to stay on the field, it doesn't matter what you're able to do, really. You know, yeah. It's so um, when I, obviously Rashad Penny uh, is injured right now, but if he's hmm. able to stay healthier than uh, Christopher, uh, I think I think you just roll with Rashad and that the running backs with DJ Dallas. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. the biggest fan of Travis Homer. I'll yeah, I, I think Travis Homer's gone. Um, DJ Dallas put up a put a a two touchdown performance. I mean, you, you could say it was situational football, but I mean, uh, I feel anytime, like he he performed. He he was satisfactory. I don't think he was satisfactory, and I think he checked the boxes. Uh, Travis yes. Homer, of course, we're still kind of resting him, uh, but he came in for like a play and got four yards. Yeah, so like 
I guess that's like that is half of DJ Dallas's longest throw of the day, which was a nine yards. But it, it just kind of I don't know. You, there's something so electrifying about watching DJ Dallas play, and it's not necessarily because he's amazing and great and wow, I mm-hmm. hope he signed this guy for a hundred years. Uh, but you know, each play he gets up, he's smiling, he's having a good time, and it feels like the guys can really gather around him as a not a young leader, but a young player <laughs> who can contribute to the office. God bless you. Thank you. Um, but, well, now like, that's interesting. Also, uh, that we talk about that and uh, Chris, because the team did sign Alex Collins. Yes, Back, I guess they did. Spent two years with the team, uh, 2016, 2017, and he had 2018 with the Ravens. Hasn't been on the team since. It, it, and then, uh, you know, he's going through the COVID testing, so he could be on the uh, practice squad as early as next week. Uh, but I mean. I, th- I personally think it's a security signing. I don't know if he'll necessarily fill any sort of role or take any sort of uh, depth chart priority over a guy like DJ Dallas. Do you do you have a disagreement with that? Well, uh, okay. So so a guy like Alex Collins, he's not bad. I he he actually does. He he put up some good numbers for the Dolphins, not the Dolphins, the Ravens. Um, in 2017, I think he was actually their lead back because uh, mm-hmm. uh, of some injuries. Um, I, I think it was a, let me check here, a thousand, 160 yards. Um, so that's pretty good. That next season he puts up 516 yards. Cause I think that's the season they finally got. What's his name? Mark Ingram. Yep. Uh, so he plays good complimentary football. I could see him playing a Richard, Richard Turbin role. Uh, if we keep him, um, but I will say he's probably a security signing. I, mm-hmm. I don't think – I think with DJ Dallas's quote-unquote emergence, I don't want to really say emergence because I don't think he'll be that important. I think he'll stay on the team for a while. don't think he'll be that important. Um, he could blossom into a player like Thomas Rawls where all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, he's really good. Um, Hopefully not. The injuries. Like yeah, Mr. that experiment Rawls. ended up failing. But um, – you know, I, 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 DJ Dallas, I think he's a good back. I think he'll turn into a good back. I think we can development, development into a good back. But I think right now, if you're looking at the successor to the Chris Carson fortune of being the starting running back for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, name number one for me is Rashad Penny. Um, but again, DJ Dallas's performance is the reason why you don't need to pay Chris Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Carson's out. So what? You got a young back that you can throw to awesome i'll take that over a hobbled veteran running back who wants a blockbuster contract any day yep and it's it's i mean i i kind of feel bad saying it but not necessarily just eh. it's it's whenever he shows up on that injury report and whenever he misses a game it's just you know it's effectively you're losing more money you know yeah uh and like so i mean you take my major factors are obviously injury but I think also looking at the way this offense is now, uh, your sort of services aren't necessarily needed with this team, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, Hey man, if you want to go and get paid somewhere else that they're going to run the ball where like, you know, we used to necessarily, that's all, that's all right. I don't have an issue with that now, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I know what we're doing a lot, a lot of, I read a, a lot of articles in the off season that said that something like this offense would be bad, which right. obviously now that we see that, that's kind of dumb. <coughs> Brock Heward. Supremely um, incorrect. 
Yeah, Brock Heward said that that would be a bad thing for this team. And, you know, Brock Heward can, you know, do whatever he wants. Always a weird thing for a former quarterback to say we shouldn't move to a passing offense. Yeah, but I don't get that. Brock Heward was a bad quarterback. Well, there you go. So, you know, like I said earlier, Chris was productive but uh, when he was healthy. And like I said earlier, the big issue is when. So and you know. I just I, – I, I also hate to see this because I, I really do like Chris Carson as a player. Oh, yeah. He's actually – he's, again, good when he's healthy. Yep. Um, but I, he never convinced me that he was a caliber of Marshawn Lynch. You know, no. he never convinced no. me that he was that guy. Well, um, then part of Marshawn's thing is he didn't really get injured until the sports hernia uh, – uh, right, in like 2015, uh, which, 2016, 2017. You know, which of course, I mean, effectively ended his career. I mean, yeah. Look at his stint with the Raiders, and look at his second stint with us, but not really. I mean, Chris Carson, he has come back from some adversity, and I, I do think he's a starting running back. I just don't think he's a starting running back for our team. No. God, I'd love to trade for Miles Gaskin. <laughs> mm. See, a guy like him. A guy like him I would love would that fit with this team because he would absolutely fit with this team. I mean, he's I'm pretty sure in terms of like receiving for running back, he's top five in all those categories he from is. receptions he to receiving is. touchdowns. You know, I believe he's like number two most received target in the NFL, not even for running back. Uh, at least he's top 10. Um, so at least going into this week, I don't know if that's changed, but I mean, he had a really good week this week. Uh, in terms of fantasy points. Uh, I think his yards per carry weren't that great, but he did score a touchdown um, against the Rams. So I just think that like a guy like Miles Gaskin is great. You want somebody who can come out of the backfield and, and catch the ball and make moves in open field. And Chris Carson's kind of a power back. He's got jukes, he's got moves, but I, I'd love to have somebody who's more of a reception-focused Naheem Hines type of running back because uh, I think that would service our team a lot better and we don't have to pay them as much. And I think that's uh, the beauty of having a receiving running back. So definitely uh, you could say that we are anti-paying the running backs here. We are like uh, not exactly <laughs> in that boat. So take that uh, as you will. Uh, in terms of injury news, as far as I have read so far, I haven't seen anything too big uh, coming out of the high Niners game. Obviously, you know, through the week, that could change uh, as we move forward through practice. Um, but at the moment, I don't believe there's any sort of significant injury that happened to the Seahawks. Uh, DJ Reed, obviously, as we've mentioned, uh, was activated from the non-football injury list along with tight end Kobe Parkinson. Uh, Reed picked off Garoppolo and had a pass defection in that game as we've already talked about. Uh, but something, something actually interesting that I didn't write down with Kobe Parkinson. Now guys who's six, seven and uh, was a really good receiving tight end out of Stanford. Um, something to pay attention to is I've heard from what I've read that the Seahawks have been getting calls about Jacob Hollister. Now you've got Will Disley and uh, Greg Olson as your one, one and two. But uh, if I don't, I don't know if you necessarily need four active tight ends on the mm-hmm. roster at the same time. So looking towards the trade deadline, that is, I don't know the exact time, but looking towards that trade deadline tomorrow, he could be a piece that you could potentially see moved. Uh, I don't really have too much, you know, attachment to that him necessarily. I mean, he's been, he came in and filled in well when was, well, Disley was hurt. 
But, uh, you know, I mean, if he's a trade piece that needs to be used, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how the team manages four uh, tight ends going forward. Uh, that's sort of it for injuries, thank the Lord, uh, in terms of past weeks. Obviously, some, the, big, the big thing to me to pay attention to going into the Bills game is if Jamal actually plays. Right. Um, because Pete Carroll said that he'd play this week, you know. So it's just like, all right, buddy, you know. Uh, team notes. Russell Wilson estimated that he spends about $1 million a year on recovery for his body. Just like LeBron, baby. Yeah. And, I mean, if it works, it works. Russell has not missed – I'm going to knock on wood here. Has not missed a start in his career. So, I mean, if it works, it works. Uh, and then looking ahead to next week against the Bills, it is a 10 a.m. game. Uh, in Buffalo, it'll be Russell Wilson's first game against the Bills in Buffalo because his first game against Buffalo is in Toronto. Don't know why that was a thing. Uh, the Bills are yeah. six and two overall, uh, three at one at home, coming off a, as Bennett mentioned, a not really convincing win against the Patriots. I mean, it was a close game throughout, and they didn't really win it until like the last minute when Cam Newton fumbled. He tends to do that, I guess. Uh, and they are at the top of the AFC West, which isn't necessarily saying too much, but, you know, division leader is a division leader, unless you're the NFC East, I guess. Uh, their offense, you know, really should be – what's key to pay attention to is that passing offense, and that's why having Jamal Adams and Shaquille Griffin and basically the rest of that defense healthy or mm-hmm. coming back is because they have Josh Allen who can scramble uh, – as Bennett so lovingly calls Jared Allen sometimes. Oh, yeah. My boy. Um, what was I saying? Oh, and uh, with recently acquired wide receiver – well, not recently, but newly named Bill, I guess, this year, Stephon Diggs. Uh, they've got that good passing attack with Josh Allen being able to air out the ball. Right. Uh, and it's sort of a middle-of-the-road running game. I mean, it's just – looking at the numbers, neither their run game or pass game, they're not like – they're kind of the middle of the pack in terms of passing and offense, total offense, and they're kind of towards the bottom of the league in terms of the running game. Right. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're collectively, you know, with the defense and the offense as a whole, it, they're, they're not a bad team. So, I mean, what, what, what are we looking forward to here, and uh, what should we pay attention to playing against this Buffalo Bills team? Another point of clarification. I said Miles Gaskin was leading the league in receptions. That's incorrect. Oh. <laughs> he is like number five for running backs. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. I meant to say he's leading for running backs, which also isn't true because Alvin Kamara exists. Oh, yes. Um, but yes, he is top of the pack for running yeah. back receptions. I meant to clear up. This will be the joke that I put on my Instagram story. I've said just about everything you can say wrong today's podcast. <laughs> But anyways, okay, what we're looking at here, uh, Stephon Diggs is a dangerous, dangerous man. He is probably the single-handed reason why the Bills are doing as well as they're doing, him and Josh Allen together. Um, I, I haven't been convinced by their defense yet. Mm. Uh, I mean, they do have some good pieces, especially in their secondary. Yep. Um, but they, to me, okay, to me, Josh Norman's a scrub. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll throw that out there. Even uh, before he got stiff-armed into – like cornerback purgatory by Derrick Henry. Um, Josh Norman. Josh Norman cannot cover DK Metcalf. I'm looking forward to that matchup. uh, If we can force it. Uh, Will he follow Tyler Lockett around the entire game? I don't know. Um, Hope he doesn't. Because I think DK Metcalf will make him look silly. Uh, But then you look at uh, Josh Allen and um, 
how good he played for the first couple games of the season makes you a little worried, makes you think, gosh, I hope he doesn't do that to my team. Uh, but I don't think he will. He's a threat to rush. Uh, he had one touchdown this week on um, on offense, duh. but he had a he had a scrambling touchdown. Uh, I think that's what he's really dangerous when he gets into the red zone. He's kind of mm-hmm. I wouldn't put him exactly like Kyler Murray, uh, but I'd put him kind of like uh, I I honestly don't know an analogous quarterback for a guy I'd like say him, him kind of like Cam Newton. He's kind of yeah. the big guy, big you know, tall. He's not necessarily fast, but he's got. He's got that ability to make it in there and probably like maybe force his way truck it. Well, he did hurdle Anthony Barr in his first year. So the point is he's athletic, you know. Yeah, he's an athletic quarterback who can uh, – he, he's, he's not exactly a dual threat, but I think he, he does have some – there's some value to say that he's dangerous to score Yes. Um, in the red zone. They're a good team in terms of offense and defense playing complementary football. Yes, exactly. Uh, Zach Moss and Singletary, they're not like a crazy dual-headed monster that we should be super worried about, but um, they're proficient. And I I would say that if the Seahawks that showed up to play this game this week play like they did, we should have this game in the bag. I am not nearly as worried about this game as I was for the Cardinals game two weeks ago. Um, I'm almost worried less now that I watched them play against the Patriots this week. Mm. Um, it wasn't like an embarrassing win because I don't really think there's such a thing. Uh, but it was kind of, to me, it shows you if you can, if you can get Josh Allen under control, you can, you can keep this team to, mm-hmm. to under 20 points. He had, uh, he only had 154 passing yards. Yeah. Not a very, I mean, I mean, I think he had a, he had a, he had a, career high maybe a season high 61 yards rushing um so kind of concerning when you're when you're when you're the quarterback you're gonna play can do that mm-hmm. um not 61 yards 23 yards are you kidding me <laughs> that's crazy that was his high i read zach moss's a number wrong 81 yards um oh the Yahoo sports app has not been nice to me today, <laughs> but Josh Allen. Yeah. 23 yards. I doubt that that's his um, high. I'm pretty sure his high is um, it, it is 61 against the jets. Oh, well, um, you know. But yeah, 23 yards, his league, his um, career or season high two weeks ago goes in 23 more yards this week. He He's a good rusher. I would hate for him to run all over the Seahawks because we've seen that quarterbacks are apt to do that. Kyler Murray, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but I think that means Shaquem Griffin comes out and plays, uh, plays spy. I think that, I mean, the only reason we saw him get zero snaps today is because you're, you're not really worried about Garoppolo even coming out of the pocket against you. Uh, he's a very statuesque quarterback in terms of um, how he just kind of stands back there in the pocket. Uh, so Josh Allen, diff- way different quarterback than Garoppolo, way better quarterback than Garoppolo. Uh, I think you have to account for that. Um, and I think you have to account for how much he's going to run on you because, again, he's apt to run for 50-plus yards. Um, so I think containing him will be the biggest – will be the biggest part of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and, and keep him under, I'd say if we keep him under 20 yards rushing, I'd, I'd say that's mission accomplished. Uh, the, the Patriots got close to that 23 yards. Sure. Um, but I mean, you look at when the Jets let him run for 60 yards in the first game of the season for uh, 57 yards. Um, I promise podcast people, I'm usually more intelligent than I sound. Today. <laughs> um, he, he is, he's a menace when he can run. Mm-hmm. So containing him, I think would be really important. And he, um, he has four rushing touchdowns on the season. Yep. So um, keeping him contained in that facet, I think shuts down a completely huge, angle for their offense um forces them to throw the ball a little bit more and that's kind of when the bills start to fall apart mm-hmm. apart from him and stefan Diggs's connection there isn't really a threat that i'd be super worried about except for um the short man cole beasley uh, <laughs> so i think that i'd be remiss to say to, to to ignore the fact that the bills are a very good football team there is oh, a decent yeah. chance we go in there and we have an amazing football game where it's head-to-head for most of the time um, but I will say that if the Seahawks play like they did this week, uh, the Bills don't have a chance, uh, quite frankly. If we're able to contain the run, force them to throw the ball a little bit more, um, and like you said, they're very middle of the pack, but I think if you take away the run game, they just don't have a chance to set up that passing game, and mm-hmm. um, we win the game. It's like any time you're really able to make a team one-dimensional, you know, it just kind of forces them to get out of their whole Absolutely. psyche. And it's, it's, it's not like this is – I'm not going to say this is a bad team because they're not. I'm not going to say they're too great. I mean, they've they've played the Jets twice, the Dolphins, where Josh Allen had 415 yards. So there's you know there's that. They beat the Rams and Raiders back to back, which I'd say that's that's two solid games there. Mm-hmm. But then you get trounced in convincing fashion by the Titans. Right. That uh, save that you're game. yeah save that you're out some starters, but 46 is 42 to 16. You lose the Chiefs. I mean, it's the Chiefs. Uh, you're not able to put the ball in the end zone against the Jets the second time around, and you have to kick six field goals, and then you only win by three against uh, this Jets. I mean, this New England team that kind of seems to be self-imploding right now. It's uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What is New England doing over there? I'm really glad we played them while they were still good. Yeah, now it's like, well, you know, um, what happened here, guys? You know, I think we broke them. I think the Seahawks have broken two teams this year. Mm. They've broken the Niners. The Niners broke themselves. We broke them further, getting rid of Jimmy Just G. Further and, added it. But then you look at the, the, the Patriots. I mean, golly, they've just been imploding since then, especially uh, one Cameron Newton has just not been doing well. Yep, that's just, you know, that that is something to, that's interesting to follow because, I mean, what – last for kind of in that early part of the season i mean it was like oh cam newton's back you know and he has that big yeah. passing game against us which we, we our secondary wasn't really playing that well that game yeah um and now it's like the they get trounced by the niners and their run game and then we're you know they're not able able to run the ball against us it's it's the nfl is a weird world you know but the mm-hmm. point is it's a like you said. If they come out and they prepare correctly for this team, I don't think that this should, knock on wood. I don't think this should be an issue. Right. Uh, and this should be you know, if you get the guys back, if if you get two of those starters back that I mentioned, you know, I feel like that's just an even added bonus. Um, right. But uh, it's um, there's there's in the NFC West with these. Uh, with the Rams dropping a game yesterday um, and the Niners effectively being out of that race. 
Um, it's just, it's just you got to keep winning games to stay ahead yeah. of the Cardinals because I'm sure the Cardinals kind of look at the game against us and they're like, hey, you know, let's, let's cool. keep this going, you know. I would also say the Dolphins might get the superlative for the most helpful team for the Seahawks. Um, they do play the oh, NFC West this season, yeah. Uh, yeah. but they, 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 we beat them. Thank you. Yep. They beat the Niners. Thank you. They beat the Rams. Thank you. And this next week they have the, uh, the chance to beat the Cardinals, uh, which would help us mm. even more. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Mr. Miles Gaskin, uh, please tell your head coach really put the effort in, because um, I would really like to see them beat the. Cardinals. I would, yeah, I would agree with that. I'm not gonna say that they're gonna, you know, get to that wild card, but Tua, they they were playing well with Fitzpatrick, but you know, get Tua his legs, you know, under him. I mean, you've got Miles there, which I'll ride with Miles, you know, any day there. Right. They've got pieces, and Brian Flores is a young coach. I don't see them, you know, being bad here. I feel like they're just going to keep getting better, you know. And, so, I mean, if we want to talk about player pick, playoff picture just quickly, I mean, you look at the um, the Seahawks, they have a 94% chance of making it to the playoffs this year, knock on wood. Um, and they have, I believe, the best chance in the division to win the division. So you, then you look over at the AFC, the picture there is much more murky. But the NFC is nice because, you know, you have the West, which is the most competitive division in football. Yep. Um, don't at me. Then you have the North, which, I mean, they got Green Bay, Chicago, neck and neck. And then the South um, with Tampa Bay and Orleans, neck to neck. I wouldn't say not anything is set except for the Seahawks make it to the playoffs. I don't know if we'll be wild card. I hope we win the division. I think we ought to. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything in this league right now is crazy. This is an amazing time to be watching football. Because so many teams are performing at probably the best we've seen them play. And it's not the teams that have been dominant for the last 10 years. Uh, the Seahawks, of course, have been dominant since 2013. We've been, we've been in the conversation since then. Um, but then you look at, like, the AFC, and the, it's KC. They've been in the conversation forever, but, like, they're doing it with Patrick Mahomes. It's Buffalo, uh, who hasn't had the mm-hmm. chance to because they've been in the league dominated by the, by the Patriots. It's Pittsburgh, who's having this amazing comeback season. And it's Tennessee, who, I mean, come on. Like, Tennessee wasn't even a part of football maybe three years ago when they didn't have Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things. Um, And even Indianapolis, which to me is crazy. So I just want to note that this is probably one of the best years I've watched of the NFL. Um, And it's crazy to think that there are so many people injured, you know. Right. So, I mean, if they were healthy, you know, think just add that to the mix. Exactly. And I think that that proves to you that even, I mean, apart from the guys who are on IR, like Abosa, um, Saquon, but like when some of these guys start coming back, uh, I mean, the leagues even get more fun to watch. I mean, Mm -hmm. and even to see some of these poverty franchises, like the Dolphins start to like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) start to make some moves and have a pretty good chance of ending second in the division for the first time in I don't know how long. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just – it's a really cool time to be watching football, and it's it's amazing with the Tom Brady trade to Tampa Bay, as much as I don't like the guy. It's cool to see Tampa Bay succeed um, in the NFC South, which has been so dominated by the New Orleans and Carolina and Atlanta. Yep. Um, it's just – it's a they really amazing They take turns, time. basically. 
they do it's like every other year it's the other one yep um but then just again to push on the nfc west being the best league in football i mean oh, yeah. I, feel, I, Wilson, I feel like there's uh, no debate on there if you're debating otherwise i think you're wrong regardless it's just it's just i don't remember where i started i think i started with the dolphins being able to like really help us but it's just like yes it's cool to have all these factors playing in at once um and it's cool to have these like heroes kind of crop out you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh last season in the nfl probably one of my left, least favorite seasons ever watched because it was just like the same storylines happening until the playoffs very cool to see tom brady get beat by the titans mm-hmm. um but just yeah last season i wasn't as impassioned and this season i just i'm having so much more fun with it uh but yeah there, there's my rant on the state of the league i really <laughs> like how things are going this year oh yeah no it it, it really is interesting with everything that's happened with the pandemic uh, and mm-hmm. with as many teams that have been injured, well, as many guys that have been injured, uh, to sort of have different. Well, I mean, think about the Browns. The Browns right. are, oh, shoot. I mean, they're winning. They're, they have a winning record. That's the point, you know. And the Raiders. And, right. The Raiders. Yeah. I, I was, I missed them in my rant. But yeah. No, it's just to have these teams succeeding is really cool. And to have the Seahawks. To be obviously six and one's cool, but the way that the offense is playing, exactly. I've being from where we are, you know, I'm pretty sure we're very used to running the ball and oh yeah, throw the ball, bad things happen, you know. So to have that, that's like this is new, you know. Um, And so yeah, I would definitely agree with that, and um, just I I can't I can't help but be excited to think about getting. Uh, all the guys that we have healthy because I feel like when this team is healthy and when they've actually practiced together, I feel like practicing together is huge because you can't just throw a team together and just not have chemistry. Uh, but when when they're in a groove and as we get towards the end of the season, I feel like with this defense, it can only get better. You know, right. Obviously, having some of the different play calls, uh, not having prevent defense once you hit the fourth quarter is kind of big, but you know, just the talent that's on that defensive side is huge. And um, just before I wrap up, may I offer one, one, one segment that'd be cool. Mm. Uh, team MVP, defense, offense. For total or game? Uh, just this game. Oh, okay. Um, are you asking me? Or you want to go first? You want to go first? Okay, I can go first. Uh, um, DK Metcalf, definitely my offensive MVP for, for this game. Um, 161 yards, besting his 160-yard performance by uh, one yard. Pretty cool. <laughs> really awesome to see him ball out. I wish he could have broken it by more than one, but uh, it was he's, awesome. He's Amazing young. game from DK. Young, yeah, to have your record be 161 after two two years in the league, pretty great. And he's definitely leading the pack in uh, wide receivers right now in terms of young wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the best for his draft class. Uh, for defense, got to go Bobby Wagner oh, with yeah. his two sacks. Uh, I would not be surprised if our two MVPs are the exact same. Oh, yeah. No, I'm – yeah. But uh, I think, two, I think going sacks. forward, I think I will write that down. Um, and that's something that should be noted. And then even maybe somebody who went under the radar. I mean, I think DJ Reed – uh, mm-hmm. you know, to come in just to for to a new team to play against your old team in that game, um, and just to have that impact, uh, with everybody down that was down, you know, that's right, it's 
something that it's I, I really hate going to the well with the whole next man up thing because I have heard it so many times <laughs> and I don't like hearing it anymore. But I mean, that's, that's what it was. That that's what it was, you know. So, uh, just you know, hopefully, everything that Bennett said about Buffalo and uh, definitely, I think I will have to add that going forward. So, um, I don't think I had anything else. I'm just going to run through it just because, you know, make it one thing. Yep. Uh, we will have that roster outlook for our lovely Seattle Mariners baseball club. That will be a thing. Uh, just, I mean, I don't feel like there's a rush for it necessarily. The team, Forgot. <laughs> the team did re-sign uh, pitcher Kendall Graveman. So he will be back with the team. Uh, for the Seattle Sounders, uh, on Tuesday, they beat the Vancouver Whitecaps in Portland, which is kind of weird. So they're technically away, but they weren't at home either. Uh, and a win 2 to nothing. Raul Rui Diaz returned from quarantine, added a goal, and Nico Ladero added a goal. Uh, the team's win gave them first place in the West for that time period, but they would lose it back to Sporting Kansas City. Uh, with this win, though, they would clinch a playoff berth. So in their entire existence – as a Seattle Sounders football club, but they have not missed the playoffs yet. So that's pretty damn uh, telling of a franchise, uh, just really well run and just the commitment from the players and the coaches uh, to and have not missed the playoffs. And then um, in their other game uh, on Sunday, they lost to the Colorado Rapids three to one. Uh, Jordan Morris added a goal, but the team just really looked gassed out there in a tough loss to the Colorado due to the fact that the MLS has gone to a points per game system because of all the games that have been shuffled around or lost through the pandemic, the MLS will be using a points per game system uh, to determine regular season standings and playoff seating. Uh, so they're currently in third place behind Portland, who is at number one, which is a freaking nightmare because Portland's our arch rival uh, and sporting Kansas city at number two. So looking ahead, definitely need to take care of business on Wednesday against the LA Galaxy. Uh, the only thing from the Seattle Storm that needs to be reported uh, is that Sue Bird and Megan Rapino are engaged. So obviously very exciting for them. Woo! Oh, Jesus. Um, it's just really cool. I mean, to technically Megan Rapino is a Seattle legend because she was with the Seattle Reign. So take, mm-hmm. take with that what you will. But just two really badass women in the sports world. Uh, and that's just... If, and, and, and in every facet of the world, I feel like that's a power couple. So Yeah, what an absolute go. power couple. That is, that is to me, the biggest sports power couple of all time. Uh, just the, the trophy case, man. Think of the like, damn trophy case. I know, right? Four championships with the Storm. And, and then, then you have the women's FIFA. What is it called? With the World Cup. The World Two Cup. Women's World Cup. Two of them. You know, like, come that's, on. that's the entire world, you know, so. And you can't look at, I don't know, that is probably the one of the biggest power couples, period, of all yeah. time. Oh, yeah. I feel like that has to be, you know. And I mean, like, they, they take, I don't know, people talk about Seattle as a championship drought city. Uh, and you're forgetting that we have, like, probably the two of the most prolific women's sports athletes. Oh, yeah. Of all time. Oh, yeah. You know. So, I mean, it is. Yeah, congratulations to them. That's amazing. And I don't know. I'm a big fan of that couple. I love watching both of them play and do their thing. Both of them have to be, you know, considered some of the greatest athletes in Seattle history. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Exactly. Absolutely. So that is all that it has to report coming out of our women's basketball team. Uh, And then our Husky, well, my Huskies, 
Bennett's not necessarily a Husky, uh, will play their first game of the season at California, uh, Cal, Cal Berkeley, California Golden Bears at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. First game of the season. Uh, I would say that there is uh, some, at least for me, there is, um, I, don't, I just got to stop saying, um, there's expectations due to the fact that uh, Jimmy Lake has been a good defensive coordinator um, and to just bring in a guy like Savelle Smalls and some of the recruiting pieces. I, I'm excited for the season. Uh, the, all of the polls that I've seen and all of the articles have Oregon up at the top and even Cal above us. Uh, so we're at third place in the uh, Pac-12 North, but uh, I'm just going to let them do the, the playing. It's just going to be interesting to see the quarterback situation because what from what I've read, you know, obviously I made my pick, I think, last week with Ethan Garbers. But from what I've read, they're still sort of – they're not they're making that decision still, and they're not going to rush it. So that's something that's certainly interesting to look at um, because it's – from what I've read, they've potentially looked at playing two quarterbacks throughout the year. So that's, I don't know. I like having one guy, you know, but uh, definitely something to pay attention to with this shortened season. Uh, and college football is always kind of a mess because there's so many teams. Um, and because of, you know, having guys rotate out every other year or so. So uh, hopefully 7.30 p.m. Saturday, take care of business. And hopefully I have good news to report. But uh, we will see. So, um, I mean, we already went over everything for our football team, um, American football at least. Uh, there really isn't much to look forward to besides those two football – well, I guess three football teams because, what, Seahawks, Huskies, and Sanders. So there you go. Um, and I guess we'll – well, I'll, I'll put this in here. I mean, some people might be interested. Why not? Do you uh, – do you want to speak about it? Sure. Uh, we've got a we've got we've got a podcast planned. Uh, a, a podcast about Star Wars. I believe our working title right now is "I've Got a Bad Feeling About This," which kind of makes it Classic. sound like I'm not super confident that we're gonna do it. <laughs> but uh, no, that's just a title. Um, we're gonna be talking about Mandalorian. Uh, we're gonna talk about just general Star Wars news, and it's gonna have our good friend Omari mm-hmm. uh, come in, and we're gonna record that this week, and hopefully we'll have that for you before the Mandalorian episode comes out. Oh yeah, and he's he's I will if he's listening to this right now, Mar. Um, we're gonna we, we I have to find a capacity to bring Omari on here. Uh, oh yeah, he's been asking me, so I have to you know I have to find a way. But uh, yeah, that's something, especially with uh, that being a every Friday thing now, um, and different with Disney Plus as a whole. There's gonna be more Star Wars content, so that's mm-hmm. definitely something to pay attention to there. Um, so that's there to look forward to. So other than that, we will both see you next Tuesday. All right, awesome. Wow, 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 he's a very nice.